for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Right, what, I mean, what a great video to have seen before I'm about to talk about love. And, I mean, what I, what I thought was so great about it was, I mean, that, you know, that, that hero of the past knew who his ultimate hero was. And it was, it was so interesting to, um, yeah, to be able to hear that and to have a, say, a great demonstration of, of sacrificial love before we put, even start on love. Um, so we're looking through one John. Um, Richard started last week. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a letter written uh, by John to the churches. Um, the churches were having a number of issues, like uh, bits and pieces. Like, I mean, the, the, the predominant one is false teachers. So uh, he's got a lot to say about, about false teachers who were confusing the beliefs of the people in the church. And um, so it was written as a form of damage control for this church. And so the whole way through the book of John, of 1 John, he's testing the people that he's writing to on, you know, do you really know God? Do you really live in his light? Do you really love one another um, <clears throat> as I have loved you? And yeah, so the test we're focused on today is the command to love one another. So yeah, there you go. Learning, living, loving. Um, so it's mentioned about 40 times throughout this letter, love, and it's most likely come from John's conversation with Jesus decades earlier, which is recorded in um, John 13, verse 34. So it says, A new commandment I give, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So as I said before, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and John's writing to the church. So we're talking about loving one another within the church um, this morning. <laughs> some, some say, ooh. <laughs> um, now, uh, before I start go any further, we're going to read um, 1 John 2, just through at the minute. But you know, as I've been reading through this, I've been convicted of my lack of love to, um, to my fellow, fellow believers and, and people in the church. And 1 John is convicting as well. And so I'm sorry in advance if it sounds a bit legalistic <laughs> if I start going through it. It, 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 hopefully won't. it hopefully won't, but you know, you'll see in verse 1 and 2 that you know, even if we stumble, even if we love imperfectly, we have an advocate with the Father who is there to plead our case and who's there to, um, to pick us up again and to keep us going, Okay. So, on that note, let's read 1 John 2. It starts, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we've come to know him, that we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, whoever says he is in light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. 
I write to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for that is in the world. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Um, There's a little bit more to that, but we'll we'll stop there because I don't know if I'm going to get through everything that's in there because there's lots of bits and pieces. So I've broken it down into four chunks, which I hope makes it a bit clear where we're going. So we've been called to love one another. So the first thing I've, I've titled, where is the love? So we're going to have a little short look at what prevents us from loving one another within the church. So you know, what, what some of the struggles and some of the difficulty that we have with doing that. Um, then we're going to answer the question, where is the love? Well, here is the love. We'll see where the love is. We've already been singing about where the love is. Some perfect songs, Barney. Thanking you. Um, and then after that, um, we're going to go to look at the commandment as it's written in, in, um, in 1 John, uh, the old and the new commandment, and why it's old and why it's new. And then, um, and then we'll look about what that means for us and what it means for us as a church and as individuals and you know, our place in the, in the world in the context of all that. Okay? Is that clear enough? <laughs> cool. Um, all right, so where is the love is the first one. So Jesus commands us to love one another, but um, loving others can be quite difficult at times, even within church. So a few, I've just, I jotted down a few reasons why, you know, I felt, and, and you know, I, I looked at some blogs and things to see where people struggle most with loving others in the church. And so there's, I've got five main reasons that I could come up with, and it's, it's by no means exhaustive. You might have other reasons, but uh, I mean, the first one, the first one I come up with is underpinning it all is sin. So, you know, the biggest struggle is sin, both our own sin and the sin of others. And battling both our sin and dealing with the sin of others can make loving one another feel like a chore, especially when we convince ourselves that our own sins aren't as bad uh, as one another's. So I've, I've been reading this, um, I've been reading this book by Bonhoeffer called Life Together, and it's about Christian community and loving one another. It's a great book. So, um, if you get a chance, you should pick it up. But he says something like this about, about comparing each other's sins in his book. And so he says, If my sinfulness appears to be to me in any way smaller or less detestable in comparison with the sins of others, I'm still not recognizing my own sinfulness at all. How can I possibly serve and love another person in unfeigned humility if I seriously regard his sinfulness as worse than my own? So, yeah, firstly, sin. Uh, another reason is we're, we're selfish. Um, loving others can seem like an inconvenience. We might not have the ti- feel like we have the time or the energy um, or the interest to do it. And loving ourselves comes more naturally than loving each other. Um, another reason, we're different. We're really blessed in this church to have so many different backgrounds and cultures and, um, yeah, almost, I suppose, beliefs, uh, you know, on how to live life things. But... Um, Sometimes that's a struggle for others on how to how to kind of relate to that and how to love to that uh, love into that. Um, for some of us, we've been deeply hurt by others in the church, um, and that's preventing us from almost trusting, almost opening up and loving again. Um, we have we have trust issues, we have heart issues, and uh, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of a of a song that Ash uh, showed me many years ago. It's called. It's by um, Roger Sanchez, and it's called Another Chance. And there's a great video. It's a great video. It's about this girl who has this massive, great, big heart, and she has this huge capacity to love 
other people and to be loved. Um, and it, shows, it starts, the song starts with her um, kind of just wandering around, I guess, New York City or something like that. Uh, you know, trying to show love to people and trying to, to get love back off other people. But everyone's just like, no, 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 just get away from me. Stay away from me. I don't want your love and I don't want to give you any love. And she gets more and more discouraged as the song goes through and her heart starts to shrink and shrink and shrink. And so she loses her capacity to love and to be love. And she's looking pretty destitute by, toward the end of the song until, until somebody sees her and sees that she's sad and just says, how you doing? Buys her a cup of coffee. You see her, you know, them just chatting together. And um, just that little bit of love, all of a sudden, by the end of the song, you see her heart start to grow again and her capacity to love has returned. So that's something to think about. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of truth in that and being able to just show little bits of love to each other to make each other's hearts expand again. If, um, if they have been hurt in the past. Uh, the last reason I've got is uh, we have the wrong idea of what love is. And, um, I suppose the English language doesn't really help because we can love lots of things in different ways. Like I love, I love Ash, my wife. I love my mom. I love pizza. I love Man United. Um, <laughs> yes, I do, unfortunately. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if all those loves... If I loved everybody the same way, that would be awkward. I mean, you wouldn't like me to love the same way as I love pizza. Huh? <laughs> so, so that, I mean, so, so and, and again, you know, there's love, for, as we've been talking about remembrance there, there's love for one's country as well. Um, all, all of these loves are natural, and many of them are actually mentioned in the Bible as loves. But... Because they're human and they're natural, they're open to imperfection and they're open to corruption even as well. They can become gods in themselves. Like if, yeah. Um, I, w- I was looking for a decent definition of the love that um, John is trying to um, encourage us to love with. And the best, the best description is actually in the Bible itself. It's in 1 Corinthians. And it's the famous verse of you know, that you read it at weddings. You know, the definition, you probably all know the definition of love that we read out at weddings, and that's, that's agape love. So that is that self-sacrificing, that selfless love that looks to the other. And it's described as this, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So that's the kind of love that, that John's commanding us um, to love one another with. And it's the kind of love that um, Jesus commanded us to live with uh, as well. If, if you remember that verse, Jesus didn't say, feel loving towards each other all the time. He said, love each other. So he's calling us to an action, uh, first and foremost. So you might relate to some of those reasons that I've given. And you not, might be happy enough not to love others here as a result. You may just think, do you know what, I'm just going to put that love to the side and not bother with it. But we are warned about this as well. And um, there's a great quote from C.S. Lewis, who, who I, think, I think he really nails it. And he, says, he says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love it all is to be vulnerable. So 
he goes on to say that lovelessness is much more against God's will than even loving people imperfectly. He says it's the complete anti-God state of mind. So it is difficult, and we don't naturally love with agape love to everybody. So we need to actually get it from somewhere else before we can give it on. So where do we get it from? You probably know where I'm going now. (laughs) So true love starts with God. God is love, and everything he does is out of love. And we're told in 1 John 4, 7 to 12, that our love for one another is both enabled by God and is a response to his love for us. We're only able to give free to others what we've received from him. So if we, if we look at verse 1 and 2, um, it starts to speak of this love a little bit. It says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and known not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we've already been talking about the love of God and the love that he sent his son um, down to earth to save our sins. And so the way that John describes this is um, as a propitiation. So it's probably not a word that you use around the house too much. Um, it basically means it's something to appease the anger of somebody. So Jesus was used as a propitiation to appease God's anger against us. And now one, John describes God in two big ways. So he's, as Richard was saying last week, he's light, so he's holy, he's righteous, um, and he's good. And he's also love. So he's not, he's not one or the other. He's, he's both so, and if, we have to remember that because if we, if we think he's only love or he's only light and holy, then we'll get a bit of a lopsided view of who God is. He, he, he's kind of both, both in tandem. And um, he created his humanity out of the complete light and love that he already has. But, um, but as we know, most of us probably know, uh, we chose to turn away from that light. And by default, if we turn away from light, we'll be in darkness. And so... That's what's happened to us as a race. We've, um, we've turned away from the love and uh, we're in darkness. And because God is light, he was angry that we chose to walk in the darkness and he had to destroy it. But that's, so that's, that's his lightness, but this is where, you know, next is where his love comes in. So I've, you know, I've asked the question, where is the love? And in 1 John 4, it says, here is the love. Here is the love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that relates to, of course, the famous verse on love, which is John 3, 16. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting light. So the sin and darkness had to be destroyed, but instead of just killing us to destroy the darkness within us, he sent Jesus to be able to do that and, and as a propitiation, as a replacement for the punishment that we deserved. Now, uh, God, yeah, so, yeah, and we were, you know, in that time, we were unlovable. Like, we were at our most unlovable when we were full of darkness. Um, so next time you're thinking about how difficult it is to love someone here, think about what it cost God to love us. When we love difficult people or choose to love, even when we have reason not to, we're actually demonstrating our reliance on God to carry that love. And his Holy Spirit will come and shine through us. God will be glorified, and the world will see Jesus in us. Okay? All right, so if we've got that, so we now we know that God is love and light, and he loves us, and now we'll, we'll turn to the commandment that John uh, talks about, uh, the commandment to love. So if, I'll just read that out again. It's verse 7 and 8. So, beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. <clears throat> At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing. 
which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So that kind of confused me when I first read it. I was like, it's old and new. So let's break down why it's old and why it's new. So what, it's, it, he tells us it's old because it is old. It's, it was recorded in, first recorded in Leviticus. So that's about a th- over a thousand years before John actually wrote this letter. So, you know, it, it says in Leviticus, um, yeah, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, it's old in that sense. It's, all, it's also old in the sense that Jesus commanded it a number of times throughout the gospel. And, you know, by the time these Christians that he's writing to are reading this, it's, you know, I guess, decades, decades later from when Jesus was on earth. So to them, it probably feels old as well. Um, and it might be old too because they, you know, it's probably one of the first things that they heard when they became Christians. And so maybe now they're on down the line a bit and it's starting to feel old as a command and as, a, uh, as something that they should do. Uh, if you remember Richard's talk, it suggests that... Um, you know, John was worried about the false teachers who were bringing in new teachings to the church. And so, you know, maybe they saw this. So they saw the new teachers and thought, oh, I'll take those, but I'll, I'll leave this old commandment to love to the side. Um, that kind of happens in today's society as well, doesn't it? We have some teachers who kind of start to progress, you know, come in with progressive teachings into our churches, but we're actually kind of at risk of progressing out of Christianity rather than progressing Christianity. Um, so don't fall for everything that seems new and progressive without holding it up to uh, the truth of God's word. So there we go. So why is it old? That's why it's old. And why is it new? Well, he tells us in verse 8, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So it's new because the light of God's love has come and it's shining. So Jesus has come, his spirit has come, and we have the light of God's glory within us. If you see that it says in verse 8, because of the light, God's love shines. Jesus, where is it? Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, the commandment, the commandment of love is true in him and in us, within us. So, as I said, you might have, um, you might have been on, the, you know, on your journey of faith for a while, and it, you know, the command to love might feel a bit dry, um, and you might, you might have come into a new season of life, and it, it might feel more difficult to love that way. Um, it's something that I've been thinking of a lot because many of you know me and Ash are expecting our first child in February. Woo! So that'll be great. Um, a lot of people have told us that it's dead. It's really difficult. <laughs> so, so thanks for that, everyone. <laughs> but um, we, uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. But I've, I've, I've been like constantly reminded that it's going to be tiring and it's going to take all my time and all the rest. So I think the enemy had started to say to me in my head, oh, well, you're not going to have time to love anyone else. You're just going to have, you're going to, have to put all of your love into this baby and her mom, and you're not going to have time to love anybody else in the church, any believers, any, anybody else. And, you know, he, he, said, he said, you know, I felt like him saying to me, it's a redundant commandment, so, you know, don't, don't bother with it. Don't forget about it. It's fine. And you might have felt the same thing if you've changed a job or you've, you know, you've, you've got less time from job or, you know, a new house or whatever. And he might have been saying the same thing to you, but... But through the verses that we've just read out, God wants us to see that because of what Jesus did and because of the Holy Spirit that he's placed within us, the commandment to love one another can be fresh every day. Because as we were saying, um, you know, we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up every day. So it'll be fresh and new every single day that we're living in the light of Jesus. Okay, uh, And we're no less equipped to fulfill it despite what our circumstances are. 
Um, because the light is shining and the darkness is passing away. Um, so, as I say, like, the darkness is passing away um, is mentioned in this verse as well. Uh, and when I first read it, I assumed that he was talking about the darkness of the world, but he's actually talking about the darkness within us. And so, again, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just relating back to what I've, I've just said. Um, John's connecting the statement with what he's just said about you know, the new commandment being within us. So the darkness is passing away because the light of Jesus is shining within us. And so as we uh, continue to live out his commandments, live in his light, live, you know, walk with him, then that light will continue to shine and that darkness will just keep fading away from us. And so it'll be easier for us to love and to walk in the light as we go along. Um, and yeah, Paul backs that up, actually, because he says in 1 Corinthians, he says, For God has made this light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. So as we ask the Spirit to, um, to come in and to fill us with light, we're actually able to see God more clearly and actually appreciate his love and his light more clearly. So that's a prayer for, for, um, for you. So um, do you worship God but hate someone here? Uh, yeah, I find this quite an uncomfortable truth as well because the way John you know, writes it, he basically says how we, how we love others reveals how we love God. And he, he bluntly tells us if we don't love others, we aren't loving God. We aren't actually loving God. So you know, you'll see that in verse 10, 11. It says, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is living, still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that certainly convicted me. I thought, uh-oh. Um, but then the question is, how do we actually, how, how will we get this going? If we know that God loves us, how are we actually going to start loving? Well, it says in 1 John 2, 5, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. So that to me tells me to start in the Bible, to start with what God has left for us, the, um, the Gospels, start in the Gospels, read the Gospels and observe how Jesus loved his disciples because he loved, he loved his disciples perfectly, um, with a perfect love. And, you know, just in the little, the little ways in which he, uh, he loved them, they're so easy for us to do. So, you know, he prayed for them. He fed them. He spent time getting to know them. And he cared for their souls and for their eternal salvation. So, you know, all those things are easy for us to do. We just have to pray. If we pray for the Holy Spirit, ask him to empower us to do that, it should be easy for us to love one another. Um, And while you follow Jesus' life through the Gospels again, just ask God to give you a greater revelation of his love for you. Because once you know that God loves you, once you deeply he loves you, it will seems so easy for you to just pass that love on to love others um and of course it is the you know this this command to love one another is it's the second most important commandment in the bible what's the first one the first one is to love the lord your god so if we love him first i mean if we if we love him the most we're going to love everyone else the best okay all right so uh all right we'll come to the last one which is number four, love the world and me. Uh, so I read John 6, 3.16 out earlier um, about God loving the world. But now in verse 15, in 1 John 2, God's telling us not to love the world. So there's, there's obviously two different kinds of world that we should not love or not love. And um, the elders give us a, a book by John Stott uh, to, 
to do a bit of a study before we prepared these. And so I got this. He, he, he describes it in a really great way. So he, he says, the love that God wants us to love is the love viewed as people. Um, whereas the love that John's telling us not to love is the system of the world. And it's all its lusts and all its desires uh, within that. Um, the, yeah, the love that we're not supposed to love. We can't love God and love the world in tandem. Uh, and so it goes on to say that. He says, love for the Father and love for the world are mutually exclusive. If we are engrossed in the outlook and pursuits of the world, which reject Christ, it is evident that we have no love for the Father. Um, yeah, so it's evident. So people, you know, people outside aren't stupid. They'll know genuine. You know, they'll know if we genuinely love God and we genuinely love one another. Uh, I'm going to show you a short video from everyone knows Francis Chan. Yeah, yeah cool. I've got in my notes here Franny Pants. My sister calls him Franny Pants. Uh, <laughs> So he's talking, he's talking in this video about a former gang member who started coming to his church uh, and what the gang member thought of the love and the fellowship in the church that he, you know, they saw there. So uh, there was that this video guy um, that came to my church once and, and he was a part of a gang and, uh, and decided to ditch everything and, and follow Jesus and he got baptized and after a while, though, he stopped coming to the, the church gatherings. And, and one of my buddies asked him, they go, hey, wh- where you been? He, he says, when I got baptized, he goes, I thought that it was going to be like when I got jumped into the gang. He goes, when I got jumped into my gang, he goes, suddenly everyone had my back. We became like a family 24-7. He says, so when I got baptized, I thought, this is what's going to happen with the Christians. He goes, I, I didn't know that it was just Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. He goes, I thought it was going to be family. So he goes, I, I just had it wrong in my head. And yet when I heard that, I thought, no, you got it right. We've got it wrong. And, and honestly, it was heartbreaking because I thought, the gangs are a better picture of family than the churches. The gangs are a better picture of the body than and we are there having a fellowship and a sharing that we don't see in the church of Jesus Christ. And yet that's the very thing that Jesus wanted for us. Not really sad. It's uh, pretty challenging too, I think. Hey, imagine... imagine um, Imagine somebody came into our church and didn't see that, didn't just didn't see love, and, and went back to a gang to be loved. Like, and I'm sure I'm, it's, it's, it'll happen. Like, it, it will happen. You know, if we if we don't if we don't love one another, and we you know if we aren't family together. Um, I keep thinking about the riverside in that because you know when we arrive there, we're, we're you know we're we're going, we're trying to plant a community of love for God. And, you know, if, if people come in through the doors, are they, going to see, are they going to see people who truly love one another and truly love God with a supernatural love? Or are they just going to see a group of people who get together every now and again and, you know, we're half friendly and we give them a cup of tea and a biscuit? And that's, that's it. And they, you know, um, will they actually want to stick around? Um, they might even, you know, they might even get, you know, a, you know, a prophecy or they might hear good music or anything like that. But... Um, That'll be useless if they don't see love 
if they don't see true love. And we can go and sit here or sit here on a Sunday and have all sorts of prophetic words and miracles and healings and everything. But if we don't have love, we don't have anything. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. He says this. He says, um, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic words and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. And it, uh, yeah, I, I think I put it on. Yeah. And yeah, Jesus said, the way that people will know that we are his followers is if we love each other. So that's really all I had to say about love. Um, I'll say it again. I have been profoundly challenged by my, by uh, just looking at myself, looking at my love and how I love and, and who I love and to what extent. But again, I'll just, I'll just go back to verse 1 and 2 and say that we have an advocate when we stumble. And, you know, we, not, we might not be able to love perfectly at the minute, but Jesus is there to pick us up every time. If, as long as the will to walk is there, he will pick us up whenever we stumble. Okay? Um, uh, he is our advocate with the Father now. He loved his disciples perfectly, and he loved us. Uh, he even prayed for us when he was on earth. And perhaps, what time is it? Maybe just as the band... If the band could come up and do one more song. Um, I was just going to finish on the fact that Jesus did love us and he did pray for us and he prayed that we would have that love that he had. And so um, as a closing prayer and just before the band play, uh, I was going to read out that prayer for us. So if we all just close our eyes, I shall pray this out. Use this as your prayer. Um, and yeah, think about later, you know, for the rest of the week, day a week, Think about your love for others, but yeah, in this moment, think about how much God loves you because yeah, that's where it'll start, God's love for us. So here he goes, John 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. uh, Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed it on to them, this message you gave me. They accept it and know that I came from you and believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world but for those you've given me out of the world, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Protect them, Lord, by the power of your name, so they will be united in love just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name that you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one as the scriptures foretold. And now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. And just as you sent me into the world I'm sending them into the world. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And here's the part where he starts praying for us. 
I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for those who will ever believe in me through this message. I pray that they will all be one in love, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and as I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity and love that the world will know for sure that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these to whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you have given me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I know you, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen.